Are you loved by a good, good father? Yes. Are you sure about that? Yes. No doubt? No. <laughs> he is a good God. And I think sometimes we find it difficult to understand. I mean, you, you know yourself, right? I mean, we're all sitting over here looking so holy this morning, aren't we? But God knows what we've been up to during the week. <laughs> Sometimes we wonder, my goodness, God knows me. How, how can he love me so much? He does. But remember, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are, okay? So he's working in us, amen? But he loves us. And it's important for you to really be sure of that in order for you to embrace and understand what we are talking about today. Last year, we asked you to indicate some topics that um, you'd like to hear about, spoken here in, in church, and uh, maybe some questions that you might have about the Christian faith and the Christian way of life. And so the series we are starting today is based on that. You asked for it, okay? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with some of those topics. We cannot, of course, deal with all of them, but with the, the ones that came up more frequently, we're going to be dealing with those uh, topics. Now, over 50% of the responders asked to hear about effective Prayer, all right? Effective prayer. A large portion also asked about the Bible, how to read and understand the Bible. And then there were some individuals that asked about hearing God's voice and having a relationship with God. Now, to know God and to hear his voice, you need to understand your Bible and you need prayer. All right? So they are linked. Prayer, Bible, hearing God's voice, they are linked. They work together. They help one another. They complement one another. And you need to know something about these three things in order to be able to hear God, to pray, and to understand your Bible. You need a working knowledge of these three topics. And so... What you're going to be doing, look, prayer is essentially communication. It is talking to God. Reading your Bible is also communication. It is the primary way in which God talks to you. And then, of course, these two form the basis for hearing God's voice and discerning when he is speaking to you. And so what you're going to be doing is today's topic is prayer. And over the next two weeks, next week I'm going to talk about hearing God's voice, the week after that about understanding your Bible. And so these three, they go together, okay? So try not to miss any of them because if you ask questions on any one of those levels, they go together. One helps the other. And so today we're going to be talking about prayer. And I think prayer is an important thing, particularly in the times we're living in. I, I think it doesn't matter where in the world you live today, we need prayer. We need God's guidance. And in South Africa, this year in particular, with all the stuff going on, with all the changes that are possibly coming, we need prayer. We need to pray. We need to know how to pray, but we need to hear God's voice as well. We need to be sensitive to what he's saying. And we need to be able to read the word and understand the word and apply the word. And obviously, there is no way that in one teaching, in one sermon, I can say everything that he used to say about prayer or about the Bible or about hearing God's voice. 
I mean, at home, I've got a whole stack of books just on prayer. And if you Google prayer, you're going to see how much there is, how much people have written about this topic. But essentially today, I want to give you some core principles that will help you in effective prayer. I want to talk to you a little bit about the importance of prayer. I want to talk to you about the four purposes of prayer. I want to talk to you about how God answers prayer, the kind of answers he may give us. And then for those of you who are maybe still struggling to pray, I'm going to give you a simple guideline to get you started, all right? So let's go about the importance of prayer. You know, for an amount of time, this planet Earth has been given to man. The Lord Jesus will return one day to rule over this earth. But remember, right there in Genesis chapter 1, God said to man, you will have dominion over the earth. Rule over the birds and the fish of the sea and everything else. You rule the earth. God gave earth to man, to human beings to rule over the earth. And he gave a certain time. We don't know how long it is, but we do believe it's coming to an end. Because the signs that Jesus gave to, towards the end of times, look around you. They are happening right now. And so for an amount of years, for a few thousand years, this church has been, this, this planet, this church, this planet <laughs> has been given to human beings, you and I. We are the lords of the earth, so to speak. God has given us the authority to rule the earth. So human beings, bodies, with a human spirit inside, are given the authority. Disembodied spirits have no authority to rule on this earth. Therefore, demons have no authority on this earth. Hmm? Yeah. And even angels don't really have authority on this earth. So what is so important about Prayer. Why should he pray? What is the power of prayer? God abides by his principles. When he said in Genesis, let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, God said, let them. He didn't say us and them. God gave you and I, man, the authority. And God abides by his word. And that's why even when God himself wants to do something in the earth, what does he do? He looks for a man or a woman who's willing to listen to him and to obey and follow his instructions. Read the Bible. Read history. God doesn't just come in and start changing things. He looks for a man. He finds a Noah. He finds an Abraham, he finds a Moses, a David, a Mary and Joseph, whatever. He finds a human being who comes into agreement with him and then he works in the earth. Hey, the same is true of the devil and his demons. He does nothing on the earth unless he finds some paluka which agrees with him. Somebody that accepts communication with demons and they get involved in the occult and so forth and then the devil uses that person as an instrument to bring evil upon the earth. 
Why? Because disembodied spirits have no authority on this planet, only human beings. And that's when God eventually wanted to do something on this earth and reveal himself. He left glory and became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he lived on this earth as a man. And as a man, he showed us how to have dominion over the earth. And he did amazing things by the authority of of God in his life, showing us what we should be doing too. And then he died, but he rose again, still a man with a glorified body. And today he is alive, he's in heaven. He remains a man with a human body, a glorified human body, which is the same body you and I are going to receive when we resurrect or when we are transformed if Jesus comes and we are still alive. We are gonna have human, glorified, eternal bodies. And Jesus has one of those bodies. So the universe today is being ruled by a man in heaven ruling the universe. And one day, he's coming back to earth to have complete rule over the earth. But until then, he rules through the agreement of humans agreeing with him. And so folks, what is prayer? Prayer is an altar which invites the spirit world into our world. When you pray to the God of the Bible, you invite the Holy Spirit of God to have his way on earth. When you pray to someone else or some other God, you invite demonic forces to operate on the earth. And when you don't pray at all, you are disconnected from the source of life and you relinquish, you give over the dominion of earth to seducing, lying spirits because you drop your guard And you slowly begin to agree with the God of this age, with the ideas and systems of this world, with the ways of the world. Remember last week we spoke about ways of the world in in finances. There are ways of the world in every single area of life which Satan is pushing his agenda in this world. And if you're not connecting with God through prayer, through Bible reading, through hearing God's voice, you begin to be seduced and you move into that kind of stuff. And some people even connect with the demonic forces. So the power of prayer is that we as Christians, we are the body of Christ. And God has limited himself to working through his body. It still amazes me. I'm sure that an angel standing here in this platform this morning could do a far better job than I could ever do. And believe me, you guys would be paying attention. But God chooses to use guys like me and, and like you. I'm sure if at work, you know, you had to bring an angel along to talk to your friends and colleagues, they would pay attention. But God chooses to use you. In all your weakness and fragility and brokenness, God uses us to do his work on earth. So we get to do God's work on earth. What a privilege is that? And so we need to lean on him and we need to be able to talk to him, listen to him and know his will. And so prayer is important because it's that connection 
The ultimate purpose of prayer is to bring God's dominion over the earth. That is to cause his kingdom to be manifest on earth. Jesus said, taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And every time we are connecting with God, every time we are doing his will, we are manifesting a little bit of heaven on earth. When God's will gets done on earth, a little bit of heaven is manifest on earth. His will is being done. And guys, we get to share with that. God invites us to listen to him, to learn, to obey, and to do that. It's powerful. It's awesome. Now, interesting that when Jesus walked on the earth, he did some amazing, cool things. Like he walked on the water. Guys, imagine, you know, you go to a friend's house and say, hey, let me show you something. And you just walk across his pool. Imagine that, huh? Jesus walked around and he saw sick people and he killed them. A, a couple of times, Jesus broke up a funeral. Girls were minding their own business, burying the dead. He arrives there, raises the dead and breaks up the funeral. How cool is that? Now, in Luke chapter 11, the disciples, they see Jesus praying and then they approach him. And they ask him one thing, to teach them one thing. Now listen, if you were with Jesus, what would you ask him to teach you? I mean, I, I think I'd ask him to teach me to walk on water, because that would be really cool. I mean, I could really make a name for myself, couldn't I? Pastor Valdir, who walks on water. Come and see, hallelujah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Come on. Now, they could have asked Jesus anything. Teach us to walk on water, teach us to cast out demons, teach us this, teach. You know what they asked Jesus? Teach us to pray. Huh? So those of you who said, I, I want to learn to pray better, you're in good company, okay? And I think we all really want to get better at that. Because those disciples are watching Jesus, and they notice one thing. Jesus often prayed off by himself. He went away and he prayed. And then he came, and he did all these amazing things. He spent hours in prayer, and then he would come, and in minutes, he would resolve issues. One day, a guy brought his son to the disciples, and the son was you know, demonic, whatever it is, was manifesting weird stuff. You see, and the disciples, they prayed, and they spat, and they shouted, and they cried, and they couldn't help the boy. Eventually, here comes Jesus. What's, what's the matter, boys? No, 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 no. It's okay. Talks to the boy. The boy gets healed. He goes home. They go like, what? You see... Jesus spent hours in prayer, and then he resolved issues in minutes. <laughs> what do we do? We, we spend a few minutes in prayer, and then we take hours to sort stuff out, don't we? And, and so those disciples said, hey, there's, there's something. I think, I think that's the trick. If we can pray like he prays, maybe we can do what he does. And it's true. And so Jesus teaches them to, to pray. And he says, when you pray, you see, it's not if you pray, it's when you pray, pray like this. And he gives them a little model prayer, which you know as the Our Father. And so we see that calling out to God is everybody's business. Some Christians think, oh, you know, in our church, we've got the group of intercessors. They are the people who pray. If I need anything, I'll ask them. Now listen, obviously, there are people who have a specific ministry and they're getting trusted with some things to pray. But listen, prayer is everybody's business. Tell somebody next to you, prayer is your business. Come on, tell somebody next to you. 
Prayer is your business. Huh? Okay? Don't, don't pass it on. Don't leave it to the big guns, the pastor, the evangelist. We all are called to pray and to pray effectively. Amen? When you pray, intercession is praying God's will into reality. Intercession is praying God's will into reality. Keep that picture in mind. The prayer altar is that connection point between the spiritual world and the physical world. For some people, prayer is like a a first aid kit. It's there on the shelf. In case of emergency, you run to it. For some people, prayer is just a religious duty. You know, you feel guilty and so you pray. You memorize a few phrases and you repeat them over and over and over again without even thinking about it. It becomes a meaningless ritual. But let's look at the four purposes of prayer. Prayer has purpose. Four purposes of prayer. Number one, purpose number one of prayer. Prayer is an act of dedication. Prayer is an act of dedication. We can look at these purposes as taught by Jesus in John chapters 14 to 16. As he's talking to the disciples, he revealed these things. So number one, um, prayer is an act of dedication. It's an opportunity to express devotion to God and our dependence upon him. I don't know about you, but I need God. Some people say religion is a crutch. To me, religion is more than a crutch. Christianity is everything to me because I need it, okay? I'm not perfect. I need some help. And I suppose you do too because you're worshiping with me. And we understand that for us, Christianity, prayer, Bible reading, God, it's not an option. It's not a crutch. God is everything because he sustains me. He keeps me alive. He keeps you alive. He keeps everybody alive whether we realize it or not. In him, we live and we move and we have our being. He has given us gifts and abilities. And so he keeps us going. And so prayer is an act of dedication. Jesus said in John 15, 5 to 7, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal value. Without Jesus, you can build buildings, you can build maybe a fortune on this earth, but it's got no eternal value. In Jesus, with Jesus, you build stuff of eternal value. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and he's, and he's withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. And if you're not connected to God, we wither and we die spiritually. But he says, if you abide in me, if you're connected with me, if you're dedicated to me, you will ask, you will pray. You will ask what you desire. What you desire. But because you're connected with God... You're going to desire what he desires. Amen? You're going to ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So it's an act of dedication. Prayer is an act of dedication to God. Put your dependence on him. Then you can ask whatever you want. Amen? But you cut the branch away from God, and it withers and dies. Prayer is an act of dedication. When I pray... When I put time aside, or even if I'm driving and talking to God, every time I talk to God, I'm saying, God, I depend on you. I need you. I am talking to you, not as my first aid kit, but because you are my everything. And I need to talk to you about this matter right now. So number one, prayer is an act of dedication. Number two, prayer is an act of communication. Listen, most of our problems in life are communication problems. 
Most problems at home between husband and wife are communication problems. She says one thing, he understands something else, and World War III erupts. Communication problems. We need to be able to communicate, to understand, make sure we are on the same page. We understand one another. Communication. And if you cannot communicate with God, you can't understand him either. You can't understand your will for your life. And so you need to communicate. In John 15, 15, Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants. Yeah, we serve God, but it says we're not servants. He doesn't call us servants. It says, for a servant does not know what his master does. A master doesn't give an account to his servant. He says, good morning, good night, do this, do that. And, and the servant has no idea what's going on in the master's mind. But he says, but I have called you friends. I'm a friend of God, are you? <laughs> he said, that's why I said, are you sure you've got a good, good father? Because when you've got a good father... He's more than a father, he's a friend. He's not just a person who gave birth to you, he's a friend. And we need to understand that God is our father, but he's our friend. Jesus, our older brother, but he's our friend. He says, I have called you friends. Because all the things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. I've got no hidden agendas. We communicate openly. And so prayer is an act of communication. As you're talking to God and as God is talking to you, there is communication, there is revelation. Amen? And that is important. So prayer is an act of communication. So remember, when you want to take time to pray, remember what, what you're doing. It's an act of dedication. It's an act of communication. Number three, it's an act of supplication. Supplication is a request. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray, make requests with thanksgiving. And so it says, instead of being anxious, turn that anxiety energy into prayer energy. And in John uh, chapter 16, 24, Jesus says, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be made full. So prayer is an act of supplication. Yes, we do bring our shopping list to God in prayer. It's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But don't make prayer just that, okay? Prayer is an act of request, of supplication. Sometimes the only thing we say when we come to God is, help, <laughs> and God understands. Because you know, in prayer, God listens to your heart more than he listens to your words, because God knows your heart, all right? And so, and so it's important, but it, it is a, a request. And he wants to bless us. And, and throughout scripture, you find that he invites us to ask. Matthew 7, 7, ask, seek, knock. He invites us to ask. In the Old Testament as well. Um, in Luke 11, he talks about the father. You know, if a son asks for bread, you know, his father doesn't give him a stone. And so he says, ask your father. You give it the Holy Spirit, the guidance and so on. So God is a good God. He's a good father. And he wants us to ask him. And he will give us what we need. He'll help us. He'll communicate with us. And as he blesses us, as he answers our prayers, it produces joy. We and others are blessed. And it produces a testimony. And number four... Prayer is an act of cooperation. 
an act of cooperation. And this is really exciting because it's probably the most exciting thing because when we pray to God, as you are praying, as you build that altar, and it's a link between the spiritual world and the physical world, we get to cooperate with his plan for the earth and for the world. Amen? We get to see his will be done on earth. We get to participate in the act of causing God's will to be done on the earth. Because as we talk to God, he'll talk to us as well. He'll give us instructions. He'll ask us to do this, to go there, to say that, not to do this, not to do that. And as we listen to him, to his voice, what happens? We do his will on the earth. And we cooperate with his plans for the earth. It is so powerful. Listen, prayer is not limited by time and space. Jesus on earth, when he was on earth, he was limited. He was either in Jerusalem or he was in Bethlehem. He couldn't be in both places. But today, because he's glorified and we've got the Holy Spirit, God is everywhere, every time. And you can be in Pretoria and you can intercede for something in Joburg or on the other side of the world. And they've got no defense because prayer gets everywhere. The Spirit of God gets everywhere. Hallelujah. And you get to pray and you get to agree with God and you get to proclaim and declare and decree His purposes everywhere and anywhere in the world and over your life. Jesus said in John 14, 12, and 13, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified. It's probably one of the hardest verses in the Bible to believe. We read and go, yeah, hallelujah. Wow, what did he say? If I believe I'm gonna do more than Jesus did. It's a difficult one to process. But we are living in times where the church is doing more than Jesus did. The gospel is getting out there in the world at a rate which Jesus could never do in his day. By believing his name, using opportunities, using gifts and talents, we are doing more today than Jesus did in his day. We are reaching more people today than Jesus did in his day. Hello? And we need to cooperate with that. And it begins with prayer, with asking, with believing, and then listening and obeying and doing. But it starts with praying. Hallelujah. Amen. It is so powerful. Sure. Over and over, Jesus says, you ask, I will answer. I will do. Hallelujah. And, and prayer, of course, it, it, it's not limited by time. There are some prayers which Jesus made 2,000 years ago which are being answered today. Jesus prayed for you and I. Jesus prayed for the church. The night before he died, he spent time praying and he prayed for you and for me. And still today, his prayers are being effective and being answered in our lives and still in generations to come. 
Prayer is limitless. We are reaping today the fruit of prayers that people made hundreds of years ago. And your prayers today could yield fruit now in your generation and maybe in 100 to 100 years time if Jesus doesn't come before then. Wow, powerful stuff. So God answers when we pray, but he doesn't always answer the way we expect. So let's look at some of the ways that God answers prayer. Because I don't know about you, but when I pray, when I ask God something, I've already figured out how he should answer. When I make my request, I've already got the time scale, the events, the exact things that should happen. And how many of you know, very often, that doesn't happen. Yeah. He's got his own will. Like God thinks he's God and he can do whatever he wants, you know. <laughs> and, and very often he doesn't answer my prayer the way that I would like him to answer my prayer. But he answers prayer. Let's look at some of the ways that God answers prayer. Sometimes he says, no. <laughs> God, please do this. And he says, no. I've got something better for you. And the something better isn't always pleasant. Better is not always comfortable. Better is not always painless. Then in Matthew 26, verse 36, that's a time when Jesus is about to be crucified. And how many of you know that crucifixion is a painful process? And so Jesus goes and he says, Father, can we change the plan? Can, we, can, you, can you find another way? Can I miss this one? Jesus, remember, he loved on this earth as a man. And you men, you understand what I say. Us guys, we are allergic to pain. We can be very brave, big mouth, but none of us like pain. We hate going to doctors, we hate knives, we hate operations. Girls can handle pain better than boys. That's why I gave, gave you girls the job of having babies because... If you gave it to us, there would be no procreation in this world. <laughs> no pain. And Jesus was a man, like a normal human being. And he wasn't looking forward to this whole crucifixion deal. Although he knew that that was key to a change in the destiny of man. But as a man, he still said, God, <laughs> can we do another thing? God said, no, I've got something better for you. How can death and crucifixion be better? It is better because, because of that pain he went through. He brought freedom to the world. He got himself a church. He got to spend eternity with us. And the Bible says that because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And sometimes they say, God, get me out of the situation. And God says, no, I've got something better. Let's go through the situation. I said, no. And then God helps you to go through the situation. Then when you look back, you say, wow, I'm glad I went through the situation. I'm a better person. I've learned something. I've matured. And I've seen God's power. And we don't like that answer. Because usually when God says, I've got something better, you've got to prepare for some discomfort in the getting to the better part. But he's God. Sometimes he says, no, not right now. No, not right now. He's not saying a yes, and it's not a definite no, 
but it's a kind of a yes with a delay. No, not right now. In, in John 11, you know, that's a story when the friend of Jesus, Lazarus, he becomes very sick. The sisters go to him, Jesus, please come, 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 come. He's sick, he's dying, come, 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 come. Jesus says, not now. I'm conscious I'm busy here now. Not now. And, and God has this way of doing things in his own timing. He seldom arrives early in a situation. He waits until you're last minute to shop. And in this case, the poor guy died. And when he arrives there, the guy was dead. And he says, no, don't worry. I'm the resurrection of the life. Yeah, we know Jesus one day, one day, not one day, now. And he rose the man from the dead, caused chaos in that city. His name was glorified. Everybody got to know about Jesus. It was a fantastic occasion because God said, no, not right now. And sometimes we pray, God, no, 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 no. He says, no, wait. And I've had situations where like in the last minute, boom, then the breakthrough comes. And God, whew, wow. You could have at least have told me you was going to come late, you know, or... Third way he answers is no. <laughs> A lot of no's, eh? Third way he says is no. Get right within. Sometimes we pray to God, but there is stuff inside our lives which is not right. And God says, hey, I'm not going to answer your prayer until you sort that stuff out inside your heart, inside your life. Huh? God can place a finger on an area in our lives and convict us to change so that he can entrust us with that answer to prayer. There could be what? Unconfessed sin in our lives. David said, you know, if, if I had thought about doing anything sinful, the Lord would not have listened to me. So you need to confess. You know, now David, man, David, you, you know his story. The guy kept on making mistakes and doing wrong stuff and sinning. But here's the one thing about David. Listen carefully. He made a lot of mistakes. He sinned. But the one thing about David, every time he fell, he repented. He didn't say, he didn't say they're blaming somebody else, making excuses. He made me do it, God. Oh, the devil made me do it, God. It was her fault, his fault. No. He would say, forgive me, Lord. Search my heart. Ah, and that's why the Bible calls him a man of God's own heart. And he often had prayers answered because he would confess his sin. He wouldn't hold it in his heart. But if we hide sin, we don't confess it, we make excuses, we try to cover it up, that could be a reason that God says, no, I'm not gonna answer you. Sort that thing out first. And we know what it is. We know because the Spirit convicts us. We know that the things you're doing, maybe the thoughts we are having, the relationships you are developing, the thoughts we are entertaining, the things we are watching on the media, the people we are relating to, we know those things are not bringing honor to God. We know it, but we find an excuse to do those things. And God is saying, hey, stop it now. Confess, come clean, and then I'll listen to your prayer. I will bless you. I will answer you. Don't put up a barrier between you and me by not confessing your sin. It could be um, praying with wrong motives. 
James 4.3 says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Extreme example, if a girl comes here and says, pastor, please pray for me, I twisted my ankle, I, I, I want healing quickly. All right, why? Oh, I want to get better because I want to go and dance the carnival in Brazil. What? For those who don't know, carnival in Brazil is the most sensuous thing in the world, okay? Very sinful. No Christian girl should be dancing carnival in Brazil, okay? <laughs> so if a girl comes with that idea, first of all, I'm not going to pray. And even if I did, I don't think God would answer because it's a wrong motive. It's a selfish, fleshly motive not to honor God. And sometimes we want, we want that promotion, we want that, that position, we want that this, we want favor, we want so that we can be seen. We want to satisfy our ego, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's all about us. Come on, God, <laughs> I want them to see me. And sometimes we even say, and what if God will that? I'm gonna give you glory, God. Oh yeah, right. God knows the motives of our hearts. And so sometimes we have to adjust that. And maybe sometimes we need to forgive others. Matthew 6, 14, 15 says, you know, if God has forgiven you, and if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. Not that he doesn't forgive you, but you see, you cannot experience God's total blessing. God forgives you for so much. You are destined to hell. God forgave you. You've got salvation now. How dare we not forgive somebody else? We don't have to agree with them. We don't have to be buddy buddies with them. But we need to release them and say, God, you deal with them. I'm not going to allow this guy to live in my mind for the rest of my life. I'm not going to develop bitterness and anger. And <laughs> no, God, I forgive. I leave you in your hands. <laughs> okay, let go. For your sake. But when we don't forgive, there are prayers that will not be answered. Forms a wall between us and the Lord. You see, guys, prayer is more a matter of heart than a matter of words. God hears our hearts when we pray more than he hears our words. We can embellish. We can say fancy words. We can, you know, learn these long theological words and, oh, dearest God, thou omnipotent one, now thou omniscient one, God of Abraham and Jacob and who was with And God is saying, oh, shut up. I know, I can see your heart, man. Stop it now. Come to the point. Just rather come say, God, I'm a rascal. I need help. Ah, oh, God's got your attention now. Now we can talk. Amen? God hears our hearts. So sometimes he says, hey, get right within. The quicker you do it, the more we can move on to the next two. Sometimes God says, yes. <laughs> we pray and he says, yes. John 16, 14. Until now, you've asked me nothing. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. We want to be full of joy. We want to have testimonies. You want to see answered prayer. Ask. Make sure your heart is right and then ask. And you say, yes, hallelujah. And sometimes even goes a step further. It says, yes, and here's some more. Oh, I love that. 
Yes, and here's some more. Ephesians 3.20 says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He say, God, please, I need this. And he says, okay, here's that. <laughs> I love that. When God does exceedingly abundantly above. But folks, this only happens when we pray. In a way, every believer will be overwhelmed one day when we encounter a Jesus and, and realize what he has prepared for us when he shows us our inheritance. But we can pray and expect to experience this kind of answer right here. So folks, we need to pray. Let's pray. Let's pray every day. Let's pray everywhere. Let's pray about everything. And let's pray for everyone. Amen. And yet, although we are to pray all the time, whether you're driving or lying in bed or walking or shopping, it is good to separate chunks of time where you can be alone for a few minutes to spend some uninterrupted time in prayer. It is good. It is necessary. Now, some of you are already fairly comfortable with prayer, at least in private, but for those who are still developing this Christian discipline and skill, here's an easy way to start practicing the habit of prayer when you get together. I don't want to do this by using the acronym ACT. Say ACTS. Like the book of ACTS. Okay, there it is. A-C-T-S. ACTS. And you can use the, this, these little four steps in your, as you practice prayer. If you don't know where to begin, begin with this. A is for adoration. That means praise God for who he is. So as you sit over there, just for a moment, just think about God and say, God, you're good. You're great. You're the creator. And just think of anything you can think of about God. And just mention it. Lord, I praise you because of that. Then you can go on to confession. Confess. If there's anything that you feel is not right between you and God, even if it's something small, just confess. God, you know, there was driving and, uh, God, you know, when those people cut in front of me, I lose my temper and I have bad thoughts and sometimes... I say things I shouldn't, God, forgive me. Confess, it's okay. Because every time you confess, every time you speak, God is working in you. And the day is going to come and somebody's going to cut in front of you and you're going to say, hallelujah, instead of the other words. But you need to keep on confessing and then talking to God about it, okay? So adoration, confession, then thanksgiving. Listen, I guarantee you, you stop right now and take some moment to think about your life. Think about this year so far. I wonder how many things you can already thank God for. First of all, the fact that you're sitting somewhere and breathing, okay, that's a good place to start. The fact you got a place to sleep, a roof over your head, some food in your table. Start there. Start thinking a little bit and, and thank God. And what about the next day? I'm going to say thanks for the same things. It's okay. Nothing wrong. Keep on thanking God because the more you thank, the more aware you become of his goodness in your life. And then in the end, the S is for supplication. That's when you bring your shopping list, which is okay. Nothing wrong. It's okay to ask God, I need this, Lord. I need more of that. And I need help here. You see, because God, your life matters to God. Those tests that you're going to do in school and that those subjects you are struggling with, it matters to God. If you are working, you know, that promotion or putting food on the table, buying, you know, clothes for your kids, it matters to God. Making the books balance, it matters to God. 
being healthy in your body and as a family, it matters to God. Pray about those things. Ask God. Talk to God about that husband of yours and that wife of yours. Talk to him. God understands. And you might find that he talks to you and gives a whole fresh perspective which helps you to come together and have a nice family life. Talk to him about your children. Talk to God about your parents. It's okay. God understands. We need to talk to God. Now ask him for guidance. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for his blessing. Prayer is simply communication, conversation. But it's only one part of the communication. Amen? In, a, in, a, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Don't be anxious for anything, but let your requests be made known to God. Turn your anxiety energy into prayer energy. But that's only part of the communication. Next week, we're going to talk about hearing God's voice. And the week after that, understanding the Bible. We all have Bibles, either a book or in our um, telephones. How do you handle that book? How do we use it? How do you understand it? And these three things coming together, they form a life of prayer, of effective prayer, of communication with God. And I hope you will be here in, in all these sessions for us to get together and learn this. I encourage you to maybe go back, go to our website, get this message, listen to it again. I know I've spoken about a lot of things here today, and you might not remember everything if you didn't take notes, but you can go back to our website and go to Awaken Life. Uh, .co.za, go to the sermon section, listen to the sermon again. If you don't have access to internet, drop me a little SMS or something and I can send you a WhatsApp uh, message as well. And um, let's practice these things. Let's be aware of this. I think all of us, no matter how strong we are in the faith and how long we've been praying, we can all improve a little bit in our prayer life. Amen? Amen. And learn to communicate with God, hear His voice, and become an instrument in His hands to bring his will to pass on this earth. That's effective prayer. Bringing God's will to pass on the earth. Being an instrument in God's hands. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Lord, what a privilege it is, Lord God, that we can get to, to be instruments in your hands. We can get to cooperate in your plan for this planet through prayer, through bringing our lives to you in prayer, through receiving answers to prayer in our lives and seeing you touching people around us, touching the nation, touching even other nations through our prayers, my God. Seeing your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, as your disciples asked all those years ago, we ask again today, Lord, teach us to pray. We need to grow more in this area, Lord. And so we pray that you'll enable each one of us. Father, I pray for each one under the sound of my voice. There are people here today, those listening to this recording. Some of us have been walking with you for a long time. We are fairly comfortable talking to you. And yet, Lord, we need to go a notch or two up in our communication with you. Teach us to pray, O oh Lord. Some of my listeners today are, are fairly new to this. They're not comfortable with prayer privately or in, in public. Father, help. And with them, I ask you, Lord, teach us to pray, my Lord. 
And so I thank you for your blessing upon your people. Give us a wonderful week, a wonderful day. Help us to be aware as we go into our daily life this week, to be aware that you are with us wherever we are and that we can talk to you about everything happening around us. Help us to be sensitive to your presence and aware of your goodness. To the glory of your name we pray, Father. And so now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as we grow in the knowledge of prayer, as we agree with the Lord and become instruments of change in this world for His glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a great day, a wonderful week. Come on, give God the glory. Hallelujah. And we'll see you next week again. Amen.